Last time we checked in with Joseph, he was in a pretty good spot. He was second in command of Egypt. He had the trust of Pharaoh. He had a wife. Life was good. And a lot has happened to Joseph since then, bringing him to the place where he is now. Joseph's brothers went to Egypt searching for food because the famine that God had warned Pharaoh about in the dreams extended to Israel as well. Joseph immediately recognized his brothers, but they did not recognize him. He spoke harshly to them, accusing them of being spies, ordered them to prove that they weren't spies by bringing their youngest brother Benjamin back to Egypt with them while leaving their brother Simeon behind. He gave them food and secretly returned their money to them. His brothers came back to Egypt, this time with Benjamin, and all of the money that he had given them back, and more. After eating and drinking with his brothers, who were still unaware that this was Joseph that they were with, Joseph set them up by putting a silver cup in Benjamin's sack. His brother Judah pleaded with him to release Benjamin offering to take his place, for their father could not bear to lose Benjamin also. And that brings us to this moment. Then Joseph said to his brothers, come closer to me. And they came closer. He said, I am your brother Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves, because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. For the famine has been in the land these two years, and there are five more years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvest. God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to keep alive for you many survivors. So it was not you who sent me here, but God. He has made me a father to Pharaoh and a Lord of all his house and ruler over all the land of Egypt. Hurry and go to my father and say to him, Thus says your son Joseph, God has made me Lord of all Egypt. Come down to me, do not delay. You shall settle in the land of Goshen, and you shall be near me, and you and your children and your children's children, as well as your flocks, your herds, and all that you have. I will provide for you there, since there are five more years of famine to come so that you and your household and all that you have will not come to poverty. And now your eyes and the eyes of my brother Benjamin see that it is my own mouth that speaks to you. You must tell my father how greatly I am honored in Egypt and all that you have seen. Hurry and bring my father down here. Then he fell upon his brother Benjamin's neck and wept, while Benjamin wept upon his neck. And he kissed all of his brothers and wept upon them. And after that, his brothers talked with him. When the report was heard in Pharaoh's house, Joseph's brothers have come. Pharaoh and his servants were pleased. Pharaoh said to Joseph, say to your brothers, do this, load your animals and go back to the land of Canaan. Take your father and your households and come to me so that I may give you the best of the land of Egypt and you may enjoy the fat of the land. You are further charged to say, do this. Take wagons from the land of Egypt for your little ones and for your wives and bring your father and come. Give no thought to your possessions for the best of the land of Egypt is yours. Imagine for a moment that you were Joseph coming face to face with the siblings who wanted to kill you, threw you in a pit and then sold you to slave traders. 
We heard last week how you don't go through what Joseph went through without laments. And in fact, in Genesis 42, after Joseph meets with his brothers at first and accuses them of being spies, they say, alas, we are paying the penalty for what we did to our brother. We saw his anguish when he pleaded with us, but we would not listen. Joseph pleaded with his brothers when he was yet a teenager, but they were overcome by their jealousy and their anger. And now the tables have turned and Joseph is in a place where he has power over them. And Joseph's brothers don't recognize him. It's been at least 22 years since Joseph saw his brothers. 22 years or so since that betrayal, during which time Joseph has gone through all sorts of trials and tribulations, but also triumphs. Is that enough time to have passed? When we're betrayed, when we've been hurt, especially by those whom we love, those who we are supposed to be able to trust, that betrayal cuts deep. And yet we're taught that we need to forgive. Forgive others who have done you wrong. Forgive those who have made mistakes. A lot of times there's an underlying message in many circles that forgiveness means forgetting about what happened, seeing what happened was okay, brushing it under the rug. What I hear is the idea that it wasn't that big of a deal, so you need to get over it. And I call BS on that. Betrayal is not okay. Hurting others is not okay. Using others as doormats or punching bags or putting others down to make yourself feel better is not okay. Saying nasty things about others because you don't agree with them, that's not okay either. I want to challenge the idea that forgiving others is about them. Because I think instead, it's really about us. Some of you know a little bit about my story in living with PTSD, which stems in part from my deployment a few years ago. I went through six months of intense weekly therapy to learn how to live with it, and I'm going to tell you, it was not easy. However, I learned how to recognize the feelings that I had and make room for them, not brush them aside, not say that it wasn't a big deal. And around that same time, I heard a sermon from Pastor Nadia Boltweber about forgiveness. She said, I really believe that when someone else does us harm, we're connected to that mistreatment like a chain. Because forgiveness is nothing less than an act of fidelity to an evil combating campaign. So it's not an act of niceness. It's not being a doormat. Maybe retaliation or holding on to anger about the harm done to me doesn't actually combat evil. Maybe it feeds it. Because in the end, if we're not careful, we can actually absorb the worst of our enemy and on some level, even start to become them. So what if forgiveness, rather than being like a pansy way of saying it's okay, is actually a way of wielding bolt cutters? and snapping the chain that links us. Like it's saying, what you did was so not okay that I refuse to be connected to it anymore. Forgiveness is about being a freedom fighter. And free people are dangerous people. Free people aren't controlled by the past. Free people laugh more than others. Free people see beauty where others don't. Free people are not easily offended. 
Free people are unafraid to speak the truth to stupid. Free people are not chained to resentment. That's worth fighting for. There really is a light that shines in the darkness and that the darkness cannot, will not, shall not overcome it. That, that is freeing. Forgiveness is not about us saying what someone did is okay. It's about us saying, I refuse to let what you did hold me down anymore. I refuse to be a part of this toxic cycle that holds me back. The truth of the matter is we cannot force anyone to forgive us. We can certainly ask for forgiveness when we've wronged someone, and we should if we are truly repentant, but we cannot force anyone to forgive us. In verse 3 of Genesis 45, it says that Joseph's brothers were dismayed by his presence. The Hebrew word, in fact, means to be terrified of, out of one's senses. His brothers were terrified at his presence because after 22 years, there was this brother who they had sold into slavery, now second in command of all of Egypt, offering them forgiveness. And not only did he offer them forgiveness, he told them to move all that they had to Egypt where the best of the land would be given to them. Did they deserve it? Probably not. But Joseph offered it to, him, to them because he had forgiven them. He refused to allow what they had done to him be a chain on him any longer. And because he broke that chain, he was free to be generous. Now I wanna reiterate something. Forgiving others does not mean what they did or what we did was okay. Forgiving others doesn't mean that we give them permission to hurt us again. Forgiving others does not mean that those who have, who have wronged others can and should do it again. Instead, forgiving others releases you from being chained to what they did to you. Forgiving yourself allows you to move forward, not be held back, not live in the past. Forgiveness sets us free. It sets us free to be the people that God created us to be. Forgiveness takes power away from what happened to us and those who hurt us and gives it back to us. Forgiveness is freedom. Forgiveness brings us healing and peace. Forgiveness is a gift from God, giving us the power to live and to serve out of love. Forgiveness is transformative. As we have learned from Joseph's uncharted journey, God is with us through loss, through trauma, through anguish, through false accusations, through betrayal. God is with us when our lives don't turn out the way we want or turn out the way that we thought that they would. God is with us through the good times too. As we claim our identities as God's children, forgiven and redeemed by God through no action of our own, but because of God's great love for us, may we be empowered to break the chains that we have put on ourselves, the chains that others have put on us through their actions, and be set free to forgive. Amen.
This next week, I encourage you to take a deeper look by journaling about, meditating on, or talking about these questions by yourself or with another person or a small group. The first is, what is your understanding of forgiveness? And the second, how do you forgive someone who has wronged you? Thank you.